0: It's here, the 6th Annual Sysdig Cloud-Native Security and Container Usage Report. Get real-world, actionable security insights from companies using cloud and containers from industries around the world. For example, did you know that 87% of container images in production include a high or critical vulnerability? That's up from 75% last year. Or do you realize that companies running Kubernetes clusters larger than 1,000 nodes could save over $10 million a year? With deep runtime insights, Sysdig delivers cloud and container security, so you can stop attacks without wasting time. You can find all the details by downloading your copy of the report for free at sysdig.com/usage-report. That's sysdig.com/usage-report. Cloudcast Media presents from the Massive Studios in Raleigh, North Carolina. This is the Cloudcast with Aaron Delb and Brian Gracely, bringing you the best of cloud computing from around the world. Good morning, good evening, wherever you are. Welcome back to the cloudcast. We are coming to you live from the massive cloudcast studios here in Raleigh, North Carolina. Hope everyone, uh, hope everybody is doing well, uh, getting to the end of February, 2023. Almost March is upon us. So, uh, you know, one sixth of the year is already gone. 16% or so of the year is already gone. Um, again, sunny perspective show. Hope everybody's doing well. We're going to dive into what, you know, Sometimes you, you do this for long enough and you start to feel like, okay, technology, 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 we've seen this, we've seen this incremental change, incremental change. And there's been some stuff over the last, I don't know, a few weeks, few months in which it feels like we're just at the beginning of what is going to be uh, the next sort of big phase of the internet. Um, And, you know, I know we've gone through some stuff. Uh, We lived through uh, kind of the giant crypto scam of 2020 through 2023. Uh, You know, we've lived through, um, you know, the, the, Kind of VR, AR, uh, kind of thing, which you know we're still not totally sure what that's going to be. Um, you know, we've seen this buzz about the metaverse and what that could be, and seen you know companies like Facebook make you know huge investments in that. But but those things haven't really panned out necessarily. As I'm thinking about this, you know, there's a couple of things that are they're starting to sort of jump out at me as what feels like is going to be sort of the next phase of how the internet's going to get paid for, and I don't. Talk about that in the same context as we would, like, hey, this is a new technology trend where we where we saw like, you know, mainframe to mini computer to to PC to web to mobile, all that sort of stuff. But it feels like we're we're getting uh, right at the precipice of a next generation of internet. Um, not so much in terms of technology, but how it's going to be paid for. And so let me let me kind of walk through where I'm going with this, and then what we're going to get to after the break. So you know, for those of you that, uh, you know, are, are older, have, have seen some things over the years, you know, a lot of this history for some of you that are newer. Uh, this may be, you know, you may not at all be aware of it because you don't care. It never was part of your life. But basically the internet's gone through about four or five different, well, maybe five or six different iterations of essentially how things are paid for. So the original internet uh, paid for by the uh, U.S. Department of Defense uh, as part of a project called ARPANET uh, or DARPA, sometimes you'll hear, uh, but kind of the original, you know, Vinton Surf. Uh, sort of uh, era of, you know, connecting the universities, a few of the universities and a few different government agencies to do a lot of research work, right? So that was kind of the original way the original internet was funded. And then we began to see these walled gardens be built. So things like America Online or AOL, uh, we saw things like CompuServe, we saw a number of different, um, you know, things like that. But they were essentially, you know, you dialed into some uh, sort of proprietary service owned by a single company. Yes, there were a bunch of message boards and a bunch of uh, content that was created, but essentially it was a walled garden. It wasn't the open internet that we knew. Um, you know, you, you signed up for a service, you had a username on there. Um, it was kind of the baby internet, if you will, but it really wasn't an open internet. Um, and then we began to see the rise of a bunch of open technologies. So we saw the rise of web browsers. We saw the rise of search engines um, and we began to see the beginning of the open internet. So, you know, people could uh, go access this internet thing, uh, the www, the HTTP, the, you know, IP address stuff that people are used to seeing. We saw a number of browsers, things like uh, Netscape and, and other stuff that, that kind of came out at that point. Uh, and then we began to see the the origin of search engines. So things like Yahoo is the kind of the original search engine of like what is out there on the open Internet because I don't have a map to it. I don't, you know, it was very different than what we saw with, with the AOLs of the world where they sort of, you know, mapped out everything that was available and they guided you through it. This was, you know, the Wild West. What's out there? You know, it was like being Lewis and Clark, if you will, of, of exploring. And, and then we began to see kind of the rise of consumer broadband and over-the-top services, right? So people started having, uh, they, they went from, you know, a dial-up modem to being like, hey, that's a hassle. I don't want to do that. I want to get to the internet faster. Um, and so that we began paying, uh, you know, to have internet to our home, internet to our businesses. Um, and then we began seeing over-the-top services, you know, so things that, you know, what we now think of as SaaS services, but they were, you know, at the time considered over-the-top services because the broadband services provided by telephone companies and cable companies were also trying to provide their own version of of the internet or their own, you know, music service or uh, or food ordering service or web hosting service, and so we began to see sort of over-the-top what we call over-the-top services. So companies like Netflix or other things that were just entirely a service on the internet that weren't tied to a specific uh, internet service provider. They weren't tied to a specific telco or cable company. They were just out there freely on the internet, right? Google, Google search, stuff like that. And then we began to see uh, really advertising becoming the dominant business model. And and this has really, you know, continued Throughout uh, the last twenty or so years, is really the dominant business model of, you know, how are all these free services that uh, we've come to to know and love, whether it's search or maps or weather services or stock services or, you know, all sorts of different things, you know, how have they been essentially subsidized and paid for? And it's primarily been through, uh, through ad businesses and not just Google's business, but, but lots of others. So I begin, I think we're beginning to see, uh, not the end of the ad business, uh, or the end of search as it is, but Really, the the precipice of what what I think is going to become what will be the next thing, um, the next experience, the way that things are funded. We're not exactly sure what that's going to look like, but we're going to kind of dive into it after the break. Is your cloud bill out of control? Cloud Zero is building a platform that will let you analyze your cloud investment faster than ever before. You'll get accurate, granular visibility into your total cloud spend without the typical pitfalls of legacy cloud cost management tools like endless tagging or clunky Kubernetes support. CloudZero is how cloud-driven companies gain more financial control and predictability by driving immediate and ongoing savings. You can answer questions like, how can I save 20% of my cloud bill right now? Who are my most expensive customers? How much does this specific feature cost our business? Join companies like Rapid7, Drift, and SeatGeek by visiting cloudzero.com slash cloudcast to get started today. Again, please visit cloudzero.com slash cloudcast to get started today. We all know that running global scale multi-cloud applications is difficult and expensive, but being locked into a single cloud provider sucks. That's why our friends at Section created the platform for easy and cost-effective multi-cloud operations. Section actually makes it easier to operate multi-cloud than on your current single cloud applications run in the best locations for end user performance reliability and security and you get to focus on building your apps not your infrastructure visit section.io slash cloudcast to sign up for free with no credit card required you can be running in under a minute that's section.io slash cloudcast and we're back and I mentioned uh, as I mentioned at the top of the show uh, I want to dive into what feels like uh, really the, the beginning the earliest inklings or um, telltale signs that we may be getting into what's going to be a, a different way in which uh, we're gonna pay for the internet um, in 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 various different ways so let me let me kind of walk through some of this stuff so obviously for those of you that uh, you know have been around for a little while uh, let's say the last 20 or so years um, You know, you've gotten very used to an internet that. You know, essentially, you you pay for a way to get on the internet. Um, you know, that might be broadband to your home, that might just be you know free Wi-Fi in a coffee shop. Somehow, you are getting on the internet, and you're you're paying some nominal monthly fee for that, uh, basically for access to bandwidth. And then beyond that, um, you know, there's so much of the internet that is readily free, whether they are blogs or their websites or whether they are, uh, you know, services like search or maps or. YouTube or whatever it might be. And obviously we've seen a number of services that aren't uh, entirely ad driven. Uh, you know, we, you know, we've, we've been able to, to buy uh, a Netflix account for whatever, 10, 12, $15 a month. And they've been able to, you know, do that without ads for, for a long period of time. But, but so much of the internet, so much of the things that, uh, we use every day are driven basically because, um, you know, whether it's, uh, Google ads, whether it's Facebook ads, whether it's Amazon ads, or Apple ads, or or whatever, uh, or the services that are providing those ads, you know, it's it's been driven around this idea that that search uh, essentially you know guides us around the internet. Um, ads uh, go along with that search, and that search again could be Google search, could be searching through stuff on Facebook or on Amazon or some shopping site or whatever. And then, as uh, you know, targeted information comes back about what you're interested in. uh, The cookies that have been following you around the internet, um, ads are served uh, up to you to try and uh, you know get you to buy something. So essentially, subsidizing uh, what you do in the same way that the way that television originated, uh, it was a medium to a mechanism to sell ads. And you know, still, if you if you watch any sort of television for the most part today, um, ads are part of the viewing experience. Whether you're watching a you know a, a series, you're watching The Bachelor, you're watching live sports, or whatever you're watching. ads are part of that you know and 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 that's created uh, an interesting experience on the internet. Now people can get frustrated about ads they can they can you know employ technologies like ad blockers uh, to try and prevent them. Um, but you know it has been a a very, very efficient way um to subsidized the internet uh, for millions and in, in many cases, billions of people. Um, and, you know, it has had some, you know, some people would say negative or, uh, you know, adverse effects. You have sort of huge monopolies um, that, you know, are continuing to to make more and more money off of ads, as well as things like, you know, Amazon doing retail or Apple selling phones or or whatever it might be. But, you know, it has been a, a massive, massive subsidy to most of the world. Uh, as end users to be able to use the internet in that way. Now, when I talked about it at the beginning of the show, you know, it feels like we're at the beginning of something that is a few things that are beginning to very much disrupt that. I want to highlight what, what I think those things are. And for a lot of people, this, these are going to be pretty well known, but it, it kind of dawned on me also seeing a number of, of things over the last couple of weeks that it feels like uh, we're beginning to move into a new stage. And so those two things that are really beginning to do that, the first was um, Apple with iOS, with their, you know, not monopoly in uh, in mobile phones, because obviously Android has the largest number of, of users, but uh, Apple has, uh, you know, probably the most, you um, you know, well-to-do users. Uh, you know, they, they tend to cater to a, a higher-end crowd. Uh, obviously, they sell a premium device. Um, people are, are paying for services on top of that. Um, Apple essentially was <clears throat> trying to take a stance of they want to be, uh, you know, your privacy provider for the internet. They want, to, they want to try and cut down on how much of your data is given back to various companies who then try and monetize mm-hmm. you. And so they introduced something called ATT or uh, Apple App tracking transparency. So what this is, is if you're an Apple phone user, you know that anytime you install an app or you begin using an app, it'll oftentimes ask you, do you want this app to track you? And, uh, you know, it now requires every application to ask a user if that is, and they're seeing more and more users saying, no, please, please don't track me. And so what that, uh, the consequence of that is that, you know, for many, many, many applications, whether they are social media applications or retail or, you know, whatever they might be that have to do with it tracks your location or tracks your buying habits or tracks where you go. Uh, that information is no longer passed back to uh, to the advertisers. Right. And so we've seen some, you know, some far flung ramifications of this. Uh in the near term, we've seen it have severe ap- impacts to uh, Facebook, uh, somewhere in the order of $10 billion loss over the last year or so uh, from not being able to track ads the way they were before. We've seen Spotify. We've seen a number of uh, the social media platforms. We've also seen uh, this have huge impact, uh, not only like on Facebook, but on small business um, companies who you know rely on advertising uh, to reach people uh, that, that they're trying to reach to. So, you know, as much as people, uh, maybe don't like big box buyers, you know, big box retail, uh, they, they want people to, you know, encourage to buy from smaller shops and to buy locally. Um, you know, smaller shops are being impacted by this, uh, this decision by Apple to, uh, to impact tracking, right? So that has a, a huge downstream effect. It's going to impact, um, you know, a number of companies that are totally reliant on, on advertising and data to drive what they do. Right. Um, the second thing it it makes people like Apple more powerful. Okay. Not that they necessarily needed any more power in the, in the giant tech ecosystem. Um, but you know, it's, it's making, uh, it's making all these companies that are totally reliant on, on advertising or on tracking to, to change, you know, how they're figuring out who you are, what your behaviors are, what's, um, you know, is advertising still going to be a uh, a dominant thing? Yeah, probably. But you know, will they be able to do it with the same accuracy and hence the same cost efficiency as they did before? No, absolutely not. And so what that means is is, you know for one giant stone in the in the big uh, you know change shifting of of uh, kind of the underlying you know infrastructure of the internet, um, it means the cost of doing advertising has gone way up um, and, and, and will go up over time because, it, again, it's harder and harder to figure out all of this precise tracking that they were able to do. And then secondarily, what that means is as that becomes more expensive to figure out how to target you, to serve you an ad, to hopefully get you to buy something or, or whatever um, – you know the companies that provide those things over the internet are now going to look to recoup their cost in various ways. To say, okay, I may have to charge more for my services, I may have to charge more for my goods, I may have to charge more for other types of things because the efficiency of advertising is not what it was before, right? So that's that's one huge pillar in this, you know, kind of shifting of you know the infrastructure of the internet and and how we paid for it and what was subsidized. The second one, uh, there was an interesting article that came out this week. It basically said, um, you know, everybody's favorite uh, discussion point uh, so far this year has been uh, chat GPT and the things that are happening with open AI and sort of this new way of searching, this conversational way of searching. And, you know, kind of all the interesting ramifications or, you know, interesting downstream ramifications that might be coming from that. And basically what it said was you know, chat style uh, search will now cost 10 times more for companies like Google and Microsoft. And and presumably, you know, anybody who's relying on the GPT-3, eventually GPT-4 types of technologies is that the cost of that search is going to be, you know, 10 times uh, as expensive as it was for, you know, previous uh, search that, you know, Google and, and, and other people did. And, you know, what Likely is going to mean is is over time that that number will come down, but you know the processing power that it requires to do the types of search and and putting you know information the, the results and the answers back to you is going to be again an order of magnitude, maybe multiple orders of magnitude more expensive than it was before. So again, things that um, you know Google was able to do at massive, massive uh, scale and massive, massive profitability levels that in essence would allow them to um, subsidize a whole bunch of free services. So whether that is, you know, uh, Maps or Gmail or Android operating system or, you know, Google Weather or Google Flights or Google Stocks or all these types of services that, um, you know, Microsoft would subsidize or, um, you know, others would subsidize is now going to be, you know, potentially at risk of no longer being free, right? And so the reason I bring all this stuff up is I think we're going to begin to get into an era, and we've already seen this in in certain industries, in which the internet that we've all sort of known and and grown to love, because so many powerful things were freely available to us, I think we're going to begin to see uh, sort of the the a la carting of the internet. And we've already begun to see this in a number of, of little things here and there, but the little things start to add up and you start to go okay, I see why they're doing that, right? And, and some of them, you know, may seem weird. Some of them may seem, uh, you know, unusual or frustrating, but just a couple of them that jumped out at me, um, you know, obviously we've seen this, um, we've seen this to a certain extent in, in media consumption for a while. We've seen how, you know, we all used to, uh, you know, buy our TV services from, you know, you know, you'd buy like a bundle, um, you know, in the United States, you'd buy like the cable bundle or you'd buy a TV service packaged with your internet service. Maybe you buy it from AT&T or Verizon or whatever it might be, or Comcast. Um, and then we've seen, you know, over the last decade or so, five, six years, just a sprawl of streaming services from Hulu to Netflix to, um, you know, over the top services to, um, you know, whatever it might be, uh, could be, you know, FUBU to get your, uh, you know, your, your soccer matches, it could be ESPN plus, it could be Disney plus, it could be whatever. So we've seen this, this decoupling of what used to be the cable bundle. But now the price of that is uh, in many cases, you know, depending on how many services you wanted to get, or how many things you want to make sure you have access to movies and sports and whatever um, can, you know, now be even more so than it was when it was the cable bundle that we were frustrated that prices were so high. So we've We've already gone through this phenomenon to a certain extent, but it was really kind of felt like it was confined to media. And Now it feels like it's going to become, um, you know, probably widely proliferated. And a couple of things sort of jumped out at me as just little examples of this. So, um, you know, in the in the you know sort of what people might consider non-technology region, uh, BMW here recently started charging monthly for seated, uh, heated seats. And you think about that, and you go, "Boy, I just spent fifty, sixty, seventy, eighty thousand dollars for this luxury vehicle." And then they're going to charge me a monthly fee for heated seats. You know, that seems very odd. Like, why would they do that? They're not charging me, you know, a monthly fee for the blinker. Well, the the reason for that is because we've now also created a culture because of the ability uh, of the internet to do mass, mass customizations. Everybody's experience on the internet, everybody's experience of their mobile phone, uh, all these things are highly, highly customizable. And so I'm sure BMW was getting requests from people going, um, you know, or they, you know, we're thinking about this as a, as an organization and saying, well, we're going to embed the technology into the product, but there's going to be people who, you know, don't want to pay for it in the summertime because you don't need heated seats in the summertime when it's warm, but in the wintertime you do. And, you know, maybe that's something we want to start thinking about is uh, maybe we we aren't charging people up front for it and amortizing that over the cost of, a you know, long-term cost of a car, but we can begin to start to think about how do we a la carte Um, and get recurring revenue from a vehicle beyond just the one time that we do that, right? So kind of an example of like, okay, that used to be part of the price. I didn't have to think about it. And now you're coming back and telling me that you're going to make this a recurring revenue thing. And I have to think about turning it on. I have to think about turning it off. And, you know, is that really what we wanted the end result to be, right? Just recently, uh, you know, big kerfuffle on the internet, Uh, Twitter has decided to start charging for uh, SMS-based two-factor authentication. And people could argue, well, you know, this is just part of all the crazy things that Elon Musk is doing with Twitter. And, you know, he's, he's messing things up and he's breaking things and he's, you know, he's, but, you know, again, this is one of those things where, you know, if you got 400 million users, depending on how often that uh, two-factor authentication is happening, um, you know, they're struggling with their ad business. The ad business is nowhere near even, you know, the bad ad business that, that it was with Twitter before he bought it. Um, and you start looking at, okay, what little thing are, are, you know, creating costs for me that I could possibly pass along to the user? So, you know, this uh, two-factor authentication is just one of those things that becomes a add-on, becomes a, how do I get recurring revenue out of you when the ad part of my business is not what it used to be? It's not, you know, as robust. And people could argue, well, that that's a weird example because, you know, Elon Musk is is destroying Twitter single-handedly himself. But, you know, it's an example of a business that was, you know, fundamentally based on uh, ad revenue. The ad revenue is not there. You're going to start getting charged for little things here and there. Uh, we saw last year where Google uh, started, um, you know, eliminating free Gmail accounts. You know, you had to at some point, you know, if you wanted more storage, or if you wanted more whatever you used to get unlimited storage with this, uh, you know, you had to sign up for more of a, uh, you know, Google uh, suite for doing this. So there are lots and lots of examples out there and you know we've seen some of these things with um you know add in purchases with you know uh, in ad in app buys for for uh, games and so forth. But I think those two fundamental things, the cost of search potentially going way up if people start to really like this ChatGPT style way of getting search. Um we know that it's very expensive. It's obviously you know we're seeing a lot of people backlog to being able to try the service because um, they can't just give it away for free. And then AT&T, you know, or not ATT, um, Apple uh, introducing this idea of ATT and making it more difficult to, uh, to, you know, kind of granularly track people for ads. Those two things together are going to drive the cost of search up. It's going to drive the cost of advertising up. And as those things go up, uh, the ability for them to augment and give away for free in order to collect data from you that they could then monetize at a much higher rate um, is going to drive a lot of companies and a lot of different services to start you know, basically kind of nickel and diming you and a la carting you in, in all aspects of the internet. And we've seen it again, both in services that we use every day, but also it's going to bleed over into uh, consumer services, consumer devices, um, and could at some point bleed into enterprise devices. So I think we're at the beginning of what's going to be the new way that whether we like it or not, uh, we're going to be asked to pay for the internet. Um, You know, we have all become incredibly dependent upon the internet for pretty much, uh, you know, very large swaths of our everyday life, whether it's our business life, whether it's the way we interact with our friends and family, whether it's how we, you know, get communication or entertainment or sports or whatever it might be. But I think uh, a couple of these big, big changes, especially around, you know, the cost of search and the cost of advertising, which have been you know heavily heavily subsidizing so many people's experience of the internet um, is going to come back and people are going to be looking for that cost to be reimbursed in one way shape or form whether it's new subscriptions to services that used to be free whether it's paying for individual features or making you make a trade-off of do you want a secure experience versus an insecure experience Um, we're going to be seeing this over and over again and the reason for it is Goes back to those two fundamental things: the cost of search and the cost of advertising is uh, going to begin to incrementally creep up because um, the ability to to impact that and disrupt that um, is beginning to happen, and we're seeing it from Apple and we're seeing it from Microsoft and OpenAI. Um, they're both going after Google's, uh, you know, humongously profitable, massively, massively profitable monopolies around those two things: search and advertising, um, and that's going to have huge downstream ripple effects uh, throughout the internet. So. Um, it'll be very, very interesting to watch. Um, you know, for those of you that just follow the show for cloud computing, it'll be really interesting to watch how much this impacts Google Cloud because um, you know, it has been operating at a loss for its entire existence. And so you know, does Google raise prices? Does Google uh, continue to prioritize? it? Do they continue to subsidize it? All those sort of things have you know, downstream ripple effects when their core business is, is very much under attack. So something interesting to watch. Um, Something we'll definitely be keeping an eye on throughout the year and the next couple of years because, again, um, as much as the technology is always interesting in this space, um, being able to follow the money, understand the business models is equally, if not more important than uh, than all of it. Because um, at some point somebody's got to pay for this, and at some point somebody wants to be rewarded for coming up with the innovation and and, and the operations of running these things. So, anyways, uh, apologize for my voice. As I mentioned before, we are uh, right in the middle of uh, spring here in North Carolina, which means pollen season, which means. My allergies are horrible and my voice gets bad this time of year. So I apologize for the scratchiness. Uh, thank you for putting up with it. Um, hopefully it doesn't last too, too much longer, but it might be a few more episodes. So uh, with that, I'm going to wrap it up. Hope everybody is excited about March. Uh, March is uh, springtime for for many of us in the Northern Hemisphere. Uh, you know, I guess it'd be fall for those of you in the West, uh, Southern Hemisphere. Um, but anyways, uh, we will be back uh, this week with uh, a couple of very interesting shows. We are getting very close to our 700th show. This is show number uh, 697. So within a, about a week or so here, we will be hitting milestone 700. So very, very excited about that. Um, thank you all for listening. Whether you've listened for one show or 700 shows, thanks for telling a friend. Uh, we, And you know, continuing to grow the show, I think 25 30% this, this year, uh, which has been fantastic. So thank you for listening, and we'll talk to you next week.